Welcome in to another episode of Chasing 1969, a New York Jets podcast. Today is Thursday, November 9th, sandwiched in between the Jets' 27-6 loss against the Los Angeles Chargers and just a few days away from Sunday night football against the Las Vegas Raiders. Before we get to all of our great topics this week, going to be a really fun show, a lot of drama going on in the world of Jets. Make sure to follow us on all of our socials at NYJ underscore Chasing69. Teddy is at Teddy Huncho. I am at Spring Blake. Teddy laughed when I said drama. Uh, what 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 What's your uh, take? What would you call the last couple of days? Because it's been dramatic. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I wasn't laughing at drama. I was laughing at a word that you put in the doc referring to Robert Sala as Bobbert. Bobbert. That just made me I, laugh. Yeah, laugh. you know like that. Bob. You know, you know where that comes from, though, right? Uh, no, no. no. Uh, do you remember Robert South's mother? <laughs> yes. Okay. Cool. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Teddy, um, we had, <laughs> we had a, um, I think our last pod that we did Monday night, right after the game, was was not our finest work ever. I think we were both kind of just dumbfounded by what we watched. Um, You know, one of the league's worst defenses, the Jets offense looked abysmal. It's been something that we have been talking about since we started this show where we just were in these ruts where it's just like, there's good offense throughout the league. There's bad quarterbacks doing things. There's, you know, things going on with good skill players. Offenses are able to get it done. You know, we're watching, you know, the, the Colts, just because they're the team I watch the most, they're putting up at least 20 points every single game with Gardner Minshew, a shaky offensive line, and they've missed a few wide receivers as well, too, this season. No Jonathan Taylor the first month. So it's just, it was, it was a, um, it was a, it was a, a, a glaring, you know, um, performance by the Jets offense. Um, and I think where I want us to start off is the big thing picking up, you know, because it all ties back to the quarterback and, and he's the facilitator of this offense. We can say it's execution versus coaching. There's a lot that goes into it. But um, on the Michael K show, uh, he Robert Sala was asked kind of uh, why he hasn't pivoted to Trevor Simeon yet, why they didn't enter, um, you know, the season with a veteran backup quarterback. And Salah almost acted as like he was not expecting questions like that. He froze uh, the best answer he could muster up um, when asked specifically about Trevor Simeon. Salah said, I don't know. You got me. I'm going to plead the fifth on this one. You know, and the quote continues on. I don't have the full one here, but the big standouts were they're valid questions. I've got to look at it from a global standpoint. Um, You know, the full conversation, I think there was a three minute snippet I saw on Twitter specifically that really goes into. But really, it was just like Salah kind of just didn't have a great answer. Um, so take me through your thoughts on on um, his handling of this situation up most recently this week. Yeah, I, I it's it's a fun one for sure. <laughs> um, and and I think the big story of it, right, is is and I this is something that fans have been kind of like speculating and it's certainly been a part of our past as the Jets as it almost seems like there is pressure from ownership with Woody or maybe potentially with Joe Douglas to um, keep playing Zach and to not really allow them to kind of change things up because they don't want to look bad and kind of admit like, hey, we made a mistake here. Um, And I do kind of want to let you talk for sure about this because I don't – like you look at what the Jets have done the past three years, right? And and it's one hundred percent fair 
after the last two games that we've seen to be like, hey, maybe we shouldn't keep playing Zach Wilson. Like, I think that is a 100% fair take. And when you pair it with the past two years, you know, where we have seen Zach Wilson underperform, underperform, and, um, you know, seen other quarterbacks like a Mike White, like a Josh Johnson, like a Joe Flacco, come in and basically immediately the offense looks a whole lot better. Um, I think that's what's kind of coming to everyone's mind here. Now I do. And again, I think that's all fair. I do want to push back slightly because I do think this story has been the topic of the past two days and everyone it like you just referenced like the three minute clip, like everyone is kind of ignoring like Salah did give a pretty, normal answer to the question first like why are you still playing Zach he did talk for like two minutes about you know the idea that the blame goes around and about the idea that you know when you put on the all 22 it doesn't really seem like um everything is on Zach Wilson so I think those are fair things to point out as well when you're when you're thinking about this um but at the end of the day we have seen other quarterbacks perform and immediately uplift this offense. So it does, it like puts my mind in a pretzel, right? Because I think after the game, if you listen to the podcast, like that was kind of conveyed as like this, like confused feeling of like, I don't really know who to blame. And maybe it's just like looking for reasons to not blame Zach Wilson, you know, and that's the confusing part because it seems like it's his fault. But I do just want to say like when when we lost to the Chiefs and the next week all ESPN analysts are kind of like as Robert Sala pointed out, all ESPN analysts are saying like, hey, this guy actually didn't play that bad of a game. And then when you look at, you know, the Eagles game and the um Broncos game like there were certainly things that we saw that we didn't see last year that were mm-hmm. different than last year Definitely. you know um so like I do think there is reason to continue sticking with Zach at least for some length of time um but again like then you look at these past two weeks with the Giants and Bar- or, um, Giants and Chargers game and it's like this same kind of like we are so inept we can't move the ball at all we can't sustain the ball at all So I'm just very confused. Not a good look from him, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it all. Yeah. It's so perplexing because I will not argue and say, I I think we saw Zach Wilson's best stretch of his career in those games. Chiefs, um, Broncos, Eagles, like that, that is hands down. Like he has not played that well in his entire career, but then we have two games and the giants one, we can still throw out because of weather, but the chargers one, I I'm just, you know, I wanted to be like, oh, a lot of offensive line injuries. Let's blame the offensive line. He had a ton of time to throw in that game Monday night. He had a ton of time and he just wasn't letting it rip. Um, I want to blame the receiver room because we have had a lackluster showing from just about anybody outside of Garrett Wilson this season. And we'll talk about that later this episode as well, too. But, you know, these are guys that we've seen at least in different points of their career do well. Um, and then, yeah, look, the coaching is the other part where you're just like, is maybe Nathaniel Hackett just a good offensive coordinator for Aaron Rodgers because he lets Aaron Rodgers do what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. These are all things that I want to sit and look at, but you know, I keep coming back to the fact that 
across the league, we have guys show up out of nowhere and are able to facilitate a, a functional offense. And we are sitting here attached to a number two overall pick from a few years ago that for some reason, the last two weeks, whatever progress we had gotten out of, you know, the Eagles, Chiefs and Broncos game, or we're just sitting here just saying like, wait, we're, so we're back, we're back to where we were beforehand. And, and it wasn't as bad. You know, the fumbles are frustrating as hell, holding it, holding onto the ball too long, frustrating as hell. These are things that we have seen throughout his career. There's still some semblance where I'm like, well, he does look a little bit better. The numbers on the Chargers game are extremely misleading because a lot of that was not stat padding, but a lot of like final drive or two of the game where he yeah, was Yeah, I able- think like completion percent is something that we've looked at to specifically say like Zach Wilson has improved from, you know, a 55% completion right. percent. And yeah. this that's a perfect example of like completing six, seven passes to your running back in the last drive of the game is going to sway those numbers a bit. So it's fair to say that like, this was definitely one of Zach's 2022, 2021 poor games, you know? And it's just weird too, because I guess when we take a look at the Eagles win, it was the Jets defense put Jalen Hurts and that offense in a blender and the offense, you know, scored that one touchdown where the Eagles let him score a touchdown. They really didn't do all too much. He did a good job not being the reason they lost. In the Chiefs game, he did a good job keeping the offense somewhat afloat. The Broncos game, the Broncos were really bad at that time. There was a lot of, um, not vibes or momentum in there, but it was a big game for the organization after the drama that had spilled out in the previous parts of the season. I, I just, I'm sitting here trying to be like, did we give Zach too much credit in that stretch there when really it was probably the defense absolutely just annihilated the offense's game plan? Like, I I just, I, I don't, I, I think he did, the best we've seen in that stretch, but maybe his best at the end of the day is just like not being the sole reason the team loses. Yeah. And I think that's, that's fair. And I think that, um, you know, like obviously he does have a longer leash because it almost seems like, well, what else are we going to do? Right. You know? And I, I think that's where, um, like, again, like we've said it so many times this year, but like we need to understand Zach Wilson playing like a backup is kind of what we like are expecting and almost hoping for, because what we're not hoping for is him playing like, you know, like the 34th worst quarterback in the league. And I understand you saying you want more than that, but it's. I just I, I got to push back because Josh Dobbs last week doesn't take a single snap with the Vikings, comes out and lights up the Falcons, a Falcons defense that has been pretty solid. You know, we see these second round, third round picks. You know, Will Levis was a touted prospect, but like he comes in and lights up to me, it's, it's game in his debut. Like it's it so, happens again and again and it's again. It's so, so selective. And I, and I, but think it's not, that... it happens all the time. No, sure. But point to the six games that Josh Dobbs played with the, cardinals that they lost and he didn't look well they're still scoring more points than the jets he's sure yes yes here's my point i guess is um like i guess i i think it's just like revisionist history to be honest with you like when we sat down and watched the chiefs game he looked better than he'd ever looked before and he was able to make throws and make plays that kept us in that game we didn't have a dominant 
And sure, I think we had four turnovers in that game. So that obviously helped. But we didn't have a dominant rushing game. Zach Wilson was able to have us move the offense and things looked okay. We've talked about um, the Eagles game and the Broncos game. In both of those games, you have multiple, multiple scoring drives, but you don't have, um, you know, touchdown drives, which again, it's fair. And I'm fully, fully okay with the criticism of Zach Wilson. And I'm fully okay with right now um, saying like, hey, maybe it's time to bench this guy. I think what I want to push back on is because of this quote with Robert Sala and the comments on Michael K, it's this idea of like, how can Robert Sala be so dumb to continue playing Zach Wilson when he like, they're clearly not getting what's best for the team. Like, I don't think it's all that absurd that we have continued to play Zach Wilson based on what this year has looked like. It's like, it started off ugly. Things got a little better. We were able to put together wins. We were able to score 20 plus points with our offense, which was something we didn't do ever last year. And to me, I kind of look at it as um, Zach Wilson's almost reverse heating up right now. You know, like, you know, when you hit two shots, you're heating up, like he's cooling down. Yeah. Um, And and that's Go where ahead, I think the and questions and that's where I think that's where I think the Michael K question is coming in is I agree. I don't think there's been anything up to this point where it's like how have you not benched him yet? I think the question is why haven't you yet? But also, like, let's get a little bit of an inkling. In the next few weeks, if this continues, are you going to go and do it? And that's where I think where Salah stumbles for a second, and he's like, I'm going to plead the fifth. I think there is still that chance that if we walk into this Vegas game and we're down 10-3, you know, in the third quarter, do we make a change again? Like, I think it's more of like a... Well, so, do you want my big brain take? Let's hear it. So... Before your big brain take, Josh Dobbs is one in seven this season he is having a, a much better season than Zach Wilson I just want to put that out there no yes fair fair for sure and 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 the point with less being talent. that the point being that other bad quarterbacks with other bad teams that have under skilled um skill positions mm-hmm. can still go out there and score touchdowns and we for some reason can't like that yeah. is the big problem and right. that's where it's like Looking at the past couple of years, most of those pop games have come when Zach Wilson has been out. So it's like, I think that's fair. And I think we can criticize Zach all we want. And I think that like um, these last two weeks being the way they were are an indication that like, hey, maybe this isn't working out. I guess my point was just like, I think it I don't think it's ridiculous that Salah hasn't been Zach to this point of the season. I agree. I agree with that. And. Let's hear your big brain. Now you're excited. Yeah, I can see this it. is my big brain point. And of you know, the Jets optimist. I'm always going to be protective of the Jets. I'm always going to try to see things um positively, I guess. So um uh Rich or er, excuse me, Michael K asked Robert Sala, you know, why why not give Trevor Simeon a shot? And that's when Salah kind of like fumbles, right? And it's like, uh, I plead the fifth. I don't really know. And what does pleading the fifth mean? It means he doesn't want to incriminate himself. So a lot of people are taking that mm. as, I don't want to say, hey, the owner is telling me to do this. Or, hey, Joe Douglas is telling me to do this. And it's kind of out of my control. That's how everyone's taking it, right? Mm-hmm. Here's my thought. I kind like, and, and, um, the other thing to point to before, like, is 
right after the game or maybe it was on Monday or, or like they asked Robert Sala, like, are you guys going to move Simeon up to the to the active roster? And he immediately says no. You know, so it's just kind of like, well, what, what are we doing? You know, like you're not even going to put the guy out there in case you want him. I kind of think or at least I'm hoping that this answer was Salah's way of saying like, hey, mate, like we're going to give it one more game and then that is the plan. You know, yeah. because to me, this idea that the Jets staff is so committed to Zach Wilson and we're refusing to move on to Zach Wilson and we keep trotting him out there and we keep it's just such an off base take to me because we benched Zach Wilson twice last year. He yeah. started with an injury, missed four games. We gave him like six, I think, benched him. Then Mike White gets hurt and the other quarterback gets hurt. So then what? we got Zach Wilson again. And then we benched him again. And then Mike Wilson finished the two games. And then what did we do this year with Woody Johnson, with Joe Douglas? We said, hey, you know what this team needs? A new quarterback. And we went out and got a new quarterback. So it's like, do we want to say, hey, Jets, you should have signed a better backup so we weren't having to sit here with Zach Wilson? Fair. That is fair criticism. But this idea that, like, the Jets refuse to bench Zach Wilson, it's like we have benched him basically three times up to this point. Things have kind of gone awry. My hope in Robert Sala's answer is that's kind of his thing, is saying, like, hey, you know, I'm not going to talk about that because that is kind of the plan. But again, like, I think there's a world where Zach Wilson goes out and does something similar to what he did in the Broncos or Eagles game, which is a perfect, like an average game, maybe not anything super outstanding, but an average game. And then I think we're sitting here saying, Hey, roll the kid out again. You know, like, like to me, it's just so back and forth every week based on what we just saw. And again, like the reverse heating up, he's cooling down. Things are looking bad and we don't want to get in a situation where we were last year, where it's literally like, we cannot score a touchdown. And obviously yeah. to this point that has happened. Um, but I, 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 to me, I think there's like a lot more at play than just like Woody Johnson really wants Zach Wilson to play. Cause it's like, why would he want that? Yeah. I, I kind of like the Woody theory. Likes the family. No, it, close it's a the fair family. theory that that's the that's what it is. It's like, oh, I'm but boys with with to the be family. fair. To be fair, this is something that goes throughout the last decade, at least since I've been paying attention to football in the draft specifically is GMs and head coaches have a really tough time giving up on their highly drafted quarterbacks when it's crazy enough a 50% success rate. So it's like, I feel like if you notice it pretty early on and, and there are those stories where it turns out the big one, you know, of recent memory is Josh Allen and how he turned out from being like a laughing stock in his rookie season. But even in that laughing stock, he, he was, was still, at least a little exciting. You yeah. saw something that was there. Yeah. Um, Whereas Zach, I still just only think of the Buccaneers second half, or maybe it was the first half in his rookie season. I'm like, that was really fun. Can we do that again? Um, I do it's it's so tough for me to sit here and be like you have to give up on him because he he's clearly not the answer where i i didn't draft him but at the same time half of the ones that are drafted in that first round don't work you know the 49ers got a little lucky 
with with Brock Purdy. Oh, I yeah. think Brock Purdy is the greatest quarterback in the world, but he's a a smart quarterback that can facilitate a, an offense with a lot of playmakers. So when you have that, it's super easy to get rid of Trey Lance, who you drafted at three, and trade him for like a late round pick to Dallas. Like those situations are super easy to do when you have that guy there. To your point, it's not like the Jets have found this guy in you know the middle of nowhere where he's just like, oh, this guy can actually function this offense at a perfectly fine rate. Like they they don't have that on this depth chart just yet. Right. You make a you made a great point there with your big brain idea about what's to come next. I have a big brain point as well, too, that I'm going to ask you after we talk through the rest of these topics before we preview the Raiders game. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that, that makes sense. If, if this is the last, not the last shot, but it's like, why, why would we switch off of Zach Wilson now when we know there's a, a somewhat bad team coming up and we have seen him perform at times this year, the best stretch of his career. It doesn't make sense yeah. to have benched him at any point, but if it continues and if this team is still trying to, you know, contend for the playoffs or keep themselves in a playoff race, you'd have to make a switch at some point if this continues. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, and that's kind of my big thing is like, I don't, I'm to the point where it's like, you, you really can't keep defending Zach Wilson, right? It's like, we've done this time after time and the most damning evidence is you know like hey look at the couple games where, where a different guy came in and we were able to perform um you know like mike white's first game josh johnson's first game like they, those were the games we're scoring over 30 with our offense um i do want to throw in like there were plenty of games where we had backup quarterbacks where it looked the same as Zach oh, yeah. Wilson. yeah and when i say revisionist history like my big thing is i don't like it's not fair to like we all watched the stretch, I guess, like that four week stretch of like, hey, things are at least looking different for Zach Wilson, mm -hmm. where I just think it's a little unfair to be like, well, this is what we've always got. It's like, yes, it is what we've mostly got. There was a glimmer of hope about three weeks ago, you know, and it's like it might be time to let go of that glimmer, but it still did happen. And it was a reason to say like, Hey, let's keep riding with this guy, you know, who got us two wins in a row. And then obviously the ugly third one with the giants. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, like, again, it's like, we're playing the Raiders this week. I would not be shocked if we looked a little bit better and then you're coming and saying, Hey, we got to just keep rolling with this kid. Um, but I do think for, like, like, I think, or potentially it's just wishful thinking, I guess. But if we have another just absolutely horrible output or Zach goes out and throws two interceptions, you know, or whatever, I do think next week you're certainly getting Simeon um, activated and probably starting. And I think then the question is like, are they going to do what they did last year where they say, hey, we need Zach to just not suit up? Or are they going to make him the number two and then risk just throwing him back in there for an injury? Like, that will be an interesting bridge That'll to cross when slash if we get there. Um, but yeah, I guess like, I don't know. I I do want to also say like, we're talking about the best stretch of his career. That is still a completion percentage. That's around it's, it's, in, it's better. Those, the, that three game stretch, the Philly, Denver, Kansas city, it's a lot better, but it's still floating around mid to high sixties. It's 210 yards a game. It's one touch. It's two touchdowns and one pick. Yeah. So we also have to just be like the best stretch of his career is still just no, yeah, very, very fair. Yeah. But it well, it and I guess my point is like is like 
I understand what everyone's saying, and I understand the arguments of Mike White and Josh Johnson having good games, but it's like, is Tim Boyle the answer? You know, and it's like, I don't know how much different things are going to be there, you know, and I'm not willing to just no. be like, God, Trevor Simeon's great. And so it's one of those things where it's like, fans want to get mad, and it's like, yeah, get mad. You can get mad, but maybe this terrible quarterback is our best option. I think where the anger would come in is knowing that guys we've seen start and play better were available for sixth or seventh round picks at this trade deadline. And for the second year in a row that it was like that, the Jets stood put. Like their Washington was like seventh rounder for Jacoby Brissett. Right. Bringing you know, guy. we saw Josh Dobbs go to Minnesota for a six round pick. Like guys, I think that's where the frustration comes in is that yeah, their definitely. reluctance to do anything with the quarterback room. And it seems more so like they are playing the politics of the Zach Wilson game where he doesn't, he hasn't earned the right to get in the yeah, politics of now, being a right? franchise quarterback into year three. It's like where he was benched multiple times up. last year yeah. for guys that are worse than Josh Dobbs, worse than Jacoby Brissett. So it's fair. It's fair. That, that I think is where the anger can come on. Um, so interesting to see as that lines up to this week. It'll be interesting to see any any changes to the roster shuffling if if you know if he has another bad performance against Vegas. Um, but you know, I, I guess another thing to while we're on the topic of quarterbacks and this one doesn't have much to it. Um, you know, we the last thing that I brought up on our Monday night pod that came out Tuesday morning was that Aaron Rodgers was caught on camera talking to Derwin James, and he was like, "I'll be back in a couple of weeks." Um, he then the next day walked that back on the Pat McAfee show uh, saying that he's a few fortnights away from returning. Um, now, Teddy got a kick out of the fact that I just had to Google and figure out how long a fortnight was. I, uh, I, I didn't <laughs> um, didn't really know the length on that. So a fortnight, 14 days, uh, which for two weeks, as four, some might say. Yeah. Yeah. So that maybe that's, uh, you know, I didn't know that. I, I'm sure I'd heard it before, but. When he when I hear a few fortnights, that sounds four to six weeks, more likely on the six week range, which gets you in there at about you know week, what is that sixteen with maybe two or three games left in the regular season, and uh, we've said all along that the only possible chance that that even happens is if the Jets are still in the playoff hunt at that point, which makes games like this week super important, makes games against the other bad teams on the schedule, the Falcons, the Commanders. The Texans are are a better team, but still, I think one that the Jets should be beating this season. Um, so, your thoughts on the Fortnite comment? Uh, your thoughts on just overall? We're just doing it. We, we got to check in on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm glad that we are checking in. I don't know how much I have to say. That's you've always you've had the I've same said. point. You've had the um, same point every time. I will say. So Blake wrote in our in our show doc. Um, I didn't see the a few fortnights quote, so I just read Blake had to look up a fortnight four to six weeks question mark. Oh. So my immediate thought was like he still he doesn't still know doesn't what a fortnight is, you know. Um, no, my only That's thing with funny. Aaron Rodgers is 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 and I think like I was never necessarily the biggest like Rodgers guy. Not that I had like a huge dislike for him, but you know he's not always been the most likable character. And so, like, him, I was all the way bought in, right? But now that he's, like, not played for the Jets, I'm, I I don't have, like, this, like, over, like, crazy love for him or anything. Not that I am not excited for him to play. But to me, it does very much seem like 
like every like Aaron Rodgers like showing up on crutches and throwing a couple balls around like to me he knows what he's doing there you know what I mean like he knows that like people are going to talk about that and he knows like oh hey I'm gonna I'm gonna put this thing in my shoes so I can walk without crutches because that that'll hype people up like to me like so much of this is like he kind of like knows what's happening um so it's just like funny to me to see him like what like I mean obviously it looked crazy what he was doing in pregame like like uh fully you know planning and all that shit um and but and then like for him to be like oh I didn't know anyone caught that about Derwin James that it's like we're going to the middle of the field after a game where there's a hundred reporters and a hundred cameras are going to follow you. Right. Everybody's talking to everybody though. I I'm not, I'm not like he was like, but, I'm going to walk right in front of this camera and say, he it. Know, no, sure. But it's like, he knows that everything he's doing in that moment is being recorded. Sure. Um, no, that's fair. No, I, my only real thought on this is like, again, that's cool. Seeing what the jets did yesterday or on Monday, does not give me much confidence that we're going to be in the playoff race later on in the season. Yeah. You know, obviously I'm going to hold out hope, but it's not like I'm like, like before this game, I was like, yeah, we're going to be right there. I'm not so sure about that anymore. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just That's one it. of those things where it's like, it would be cool, but it's like, are we even going to get there? Like I, I, I right. I am losing interest in if Aaron Rodgers is going to be ready to come back by the Jets losing, you know, my confidence in them. So it's just yep. like if we win against the Raiders and then like win like win one of the games against the Bills or the Dolphins, like maybe I'll start allowing myself to get excited then, yeah, um, or hopeful then. But like I'm not even convinced we're going to be competing at this moment. So yeah. we shall see. Yep, yep. We're we're pretty much on the same point there. Um, Quick, quick one as well, too. Uh, yeah. The Jets beat. Just, <laughs> yeah. No, this is just something I wanted to bring up um, because I, I saw And it's not like the whole fan base feels this way. I feel like most people are smart enough to not do this. Yes. But there was a couple tweets. I think one specific I saw was like, if we're finally going to call out Zach Wilson, like, let's let's throw Quinn and Williams in there, too. And his point five sacks on the season, which was just like a ridiculous take. And it kind of got everybody fired up defending it because us Jets fans know that Quinn and Williams has been good but then even like the beat is asking Robert Sala to comment on like Quinn and Williams production and like defend the fact that he only has 0.5 sacks and Sala's quote was basically like sacks are overrated stat like whatever the beat asking that question is so ridiculous. Like everyone in their mother knows that Quinn and Williams had a great year. Everyone in their mother knows that Quinn and Williams has been dominating games and changing games for the Jets and completely shutting down the run. So like just so, so, so dumb. That made me mad. I wanted to bring it up on this podcast. Yeah, there's there's I wish there was a um, a statistic that you could measure called fuck the play up. Yeah. How many times are you just fucking the play up? Quinn and Williams fucks plays up. Maybe he's not the guy that brings the quarterback down. Maybe he's not in on every single run stop, but he is out there basically being the center of focus for the opposing offense. Like I know that I you gotta to be guess, careful. I'd the probably corners. say he's he's in on like 90% of the run stops. But exactly. I'm, but like in the past production, it's like, okay, yeah, it's kind of like it, 
for some, you can measure the pressure rate and you're like, oh, well, Bryce Huff may not have the most sacks in the world, but he's, he's, you know, top five or four in pressure rate, whatever it is. Quinn and Williams, Fox plays up and that's what he's there to do. Defensive tackles. It's hard to get sacks last season. And Aaron Donald, teamed, who we consider teamed. one of the greatest of all time. He had five. He's got five this year. It's like, you know, when you become the sole focus, when you arrive as like the premier player of a team's defense, and I, you know, there's great players on every single level, but when you're a difference maker right in the middle, you become that team's plan of focus in the trenches. It's going to be harder to get numbers. Sure. Yeah. He, to, to question what his impact has been this season is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I saw, I didn't even hear the reporters asking. I just more so saw tweets of people being like, Quinn and Williams only has half a sack on this. It's like, dude, yeah, he, he's up. a difference maker again he's one of the reasons like jermaine is breaking out bryce is breaking out you know like it's all connected yep exactly fuck the play up i wish we could measure that as a stat um theodore that could be our big ticket blake New yeah stat. We, we create the fuck the play up. i'm gonna have F- we're, we're just gonna have F-T-P-U. to watch you and you we're know how like when there's these advanced stats and like um it always has like some crazy name and you're like I wonder what that stands for. Yeah, and then yeah. you look at it, it's like well, what fuck I the like, play up. What I like about fuck the play up is it's it sounds like the least nerdy stat in the world. Yeah, advanced analytics true. are so just like oh the the error yardage traveled or whatever. It's like right. Are you fucking the play up? Are you? I also just... think like like in this age of analytics we're in, right, where you see these like crazy numbers and crazy and and most of the time you're like oh there must be some like really weird formula to like find that and then you find out like pff grades is just like some dude watching and like assigning a number like i like the idea of like me and you just sitting down and like taking down the fuck the play up stats for yeah. the jets you know oh like, yeah if if we can get fun. maybe maybe if i'm sitting home sunday night i might just do a fuck the play up tracker for quinnon and I'm we'll in. just we'll I'm tweet in. it out the entire day um Theodore switching over to the other side of the trenches there. Uh, Another rough go on the offensive line. Billy Turner has a broken bone in his hand. Uh, Robert Sala doesn't sound too pleased about it in terms of severity. Uh, We have seen this offensive line go through however many combinations this year. Dwayne Brown still doesn't seem like he he might still be a couple weeks away from returning. So you're without him. You're without AVT. Um, you've lost uh, McGovern. You've lost um, who are the other names that I'm throwing out there now? I mean, we we've lost everybody. We're we're throwing out yeah. like the third team offensive line now. As I'll say against in that Chargers game, even you know with Billy Turner making his first career start at right tackle, held up, held up. The offensive line had time there, but not what you want to hear for a team that is still struggling to figure things out on offense, having to shuffle in another set of five guys there um, without the burgers and fries. What are your thoughts on where this offensive line stands? Yeah. It's, it's I mean, it, it's, it's bad news for sure. Um, not that Billy Turner's like great, but it, it's not like we have like this plethora of death pieces to like throw in there, you know? Nope. Um, so yeah, not ideal. They obviously bring in this uh, Perry and Winfrey guy. He's defensive tackle. Oh shit! Sorry, I thought I saw that he was an offensive tackle. Well, then, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is where you know, th- this I, is I where I think they need more bodies, right? Like right. you expect them to make some signings just because they need guys. Well, and the big one that you'd take a look at from last week as well too is bringing in Roger Saffold, who's had starter experience and in interior offensive line. 
you know, he's had experience at tackle before as well, too. But like we're we're at the point now where we have he been will probably grabbing be the guys. starter. We've been grabbing guys off of the streets and still we're losing yeah. guys again and again. So just not what you want to see. Um, you know, the Raiders, you know, Max Crosby is is a is a special talent on edge there. They don't have the most terrifying defense in the world, but they're playing motivated football right now, especially with their new. Oh, yeah. Coach. Max Crosby so, is a game. He's breaker. a beast. So, um, you know, just something to keep an eye on, because I, I think as well, too, offensively, we we had a good stretch there with the run game where I was like, oh, I think we can just like win through these trenches. Right. But as the offensive line has continued to get worse, it's hindered the ability for them to continuously make plays uh, where it's like, we're a run first team that doesn't need to throw the football. Um, I still think that's the focus for this offense, but I just, I don't think, I think over the last few weeks we've been like, oh, we're yeah, losing. I would, I would actually argue like, like I think the chargers game was a perfect example of like, that was not the game plan. And, yeah. and, Sure, the Chargers did do a good job of of stopping the run at times, but we were also able to do our things. But like I, I think I said it on Monday night, like we it was like we were refusing to run the ball twice, you know, like we just didn't yeah. want to do it two plays in a row. And obviously, obviously, like these injuries are just not going to help that. I'm so sick of every year seeing the the graphic of like the offensive linemen as decks of cards and then like they're shuffling it. And it's like a completely di- like, I'm so sick of seeing that every year. Here's the thing. it It's happening across the league. And we yeah, said before and, yeah, this season, there's a, there's an offensive line epidemic across football right now. Um, so many teams are struggling to find depth pieces or even starting pieces. So the jets are just another continuation of that. But when you're losing your bench guys after losing your starters, you're just you, at yeah, some point you're just fucked i want to make it very clear like the jets offensive line play to me has been fine like it, it's not like it's been like the best but it's Definitely. been fine and you look at like like zach wilson having like the most time in the league to throw the ball you know it's like a, a the majority of the problem is the inability or the unwillingness to just get rid of the ball you know, as opposed to like our offensive line needs to play better. Cause it's like, sure. I would have liked to see on those two fumbles. I would have liked to see Billy Turner block Joey Bosa a little bit better and not let him get there. But it's like, well, it's Joey Bosa and it's been three seconds. So see ya, Zach. You know what I mean? Like it, it, so I think the offensive line has been fine, but it's just one of those things. Like you continue to affect it and shuffle it and have injuries. And it's like, that's it's, not what we want to hear. It's not after helping. We just scored six points. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. help. I will say, I just want to throw this in there. The one positive of all these injuries is we're finally getting to see Tipman at his natural position of center, yeah. which yeah. I think hopefully will be good for his long-term development. Look, if he can be one of those guys, kind of like an AVT, where you see positive development at different positions in his rookie season, and you kick him out at tackle, right. or I'm not saying you kick him out at tackle, kind of like with AVT, where you're like, oh, okay, we found like a guy that we can hard, right, put at different spots, and it'll work out. Yeah, um, yeah very happy with Tipman so far. Um, speaking of draft picks from the 2023 draft, great transition there to go from Tipman to our funnel conversation with the Jets usage of their first rounder in 2023. I think the biggest thing I've seen on Twitter this week in regard to the Jets outside of Zach Wilson and Robert Salas comments is I have been seeing a ton of uh, wide receiver talk in regards to the 2023 draft um, in regard to the poor play we've seen from everybody not named Garrett Wilson this year. 
Um, we've started to see a couple of rookie wide receivers really kind of find their own um, in roles that would be really helping out the Jets right now. Um, the biggest buzz, I think, and this is going back, I mean, in draft conversations, we talked about the need for a wide receiver versus the need to just hold off. Everything's gonna be fine. Look, I was I was of the impression that Alan Lazard was going to be a really good addition. I thought at the time, too, we were still in this Odell range. People had taken a look at Hopkins. We at also one had point. Corey Davis at the time. Corey Davis still is more well confident. So- Michael Hardman. Exactly. So there was there was a difference back then. I completely agree now that this wide receiver room is not fit to help out a struggling quarterback or even a good quarterback. Um, You know, I think that there is a a belief that Aaron Rodgers would have made everybody on this team a little bit better. Um, But the fact of the matter is, is with Zach Wilson here for the significant stretch. And if it's not Zach Wilson after this week or the next, it's Trevor Simeon. And it's you still need talented playmakers. There has been some growing frustration from at least Jets Nation over the fact that, look, Jackson Smith and Jigba right now as a team's number three wide receiver in Seattle, he'd have the second most uh, receptions on the Jets team, yards, touchdowns tied for first. Another guy, Zay Flowers, I think he was never really in the discussion for being the first wide receiver taken, but he has been the Baltimore Ravens' number one wideout, would be number one on this team in terms of receptions, would be number two in yards, and, and number one in touchdowns as well, too. Meanwhile, Will McDonald, because of the Jets' riches at the edge position, has had on the season three tackles, half a sack, and one forced fumble in seven games. He's been inactive at times, and... I fully understand when when I bring up this conversation that Will McDonald was a project first round pick, but now we're sitting here with this team where we were like, wait, we, we couldn't have predicted Bryce Huff's emergence. We couldn't have, you know, we we could have predicted that Jermaine Johnson would trend upward. And so I don't want to say that we wouldn't have expected that there. We're sitting at a point now where we're like, we could have used that first round pick differently to help us this year in a year that we did have playoff and Super Bowl aspirations, as opposed to a guy that isn't doing too much on the field right now for us. So, Teddy, when you hear the conversations between Will McDonald versus JSN or any wide receiver, where does your mind go? Yeah, I I definitely think everything you said is super fair, you know, and like you can point to you know, specifically the wide receivers and say, like, look at all this production that they have. Like, that could certainly be helping the Jets right now when we are deficient at wide receiver. Um, I do always, always, always kind of push back on the retrospective draft grading um, because to me there's so many misses or just, like, we weren't really interested in a wide receiver at this at this pick. And so you're like, hey, yeah, there were some good ones, but it's not really where we were going. Like, I, I kind of think like you just kind of got to trust the process. And I think that Joe Douglas has done enough where I'm not going to kill him for a pick like this. Um, but I mean, like we talked about it in the in the draft process, right? Like, like we I think kind of agreed that we didn't need a wide receiver. I think I was maybe a little hopeful we were going to end up taking uh, JSN, but didn't really, I never really expected it. Um, year after year after year, the past five, seven years, we are learning that like, if you want to make a safe first round pick, just like go with one of the, the like top five receivers. Cause they almost always like end up being pretty good. It's been the safest position to pick in the first round. Right. Um, so I certainly think it's fair criticism, but uh, you know, I, I don't know if I just said this, but like, 
at the time, you know, we think we have Corey Davis. We're pretty confident in Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, at least being paired with Aaron Rodgers. You know, we're pretty confident Michael Hardman's going to end up being a factor. So it's kind of hard to be like, wow, like how dumb that we didn't take one of these receivers. Look how good they're doing. You know, like um, Zay Flowers production. It's like, yeah, well, he's their number one wide receiver over there. Um, So, you know, one of those things, I do also think like I don't want to discredit Will McDonald too much because while his numbers have been lackluster, I don't think he's being put in a position to really have dominant numbers. And I also Mm -hmm. think he was drafted understanding he's a project. But like at the end of the day, drafting someone who would have made a more immediate impact, even if not at wide receiver, you know, like would have been nice, obviously. If we had gotten Broderick Jones, you know, if the Patriots didn't didn't pull one that over on plan. us, like that would have been I great. That was um, the plan all along. And I think yeah, they had to, go to me, to I B. think they really thought that that was going to work out. And then it yep. didn't. They're like, all right, we'll take Will McDonald. Um, I'm not like panicked on the Will McDonald pick. I think it's fair to be mm-hmm. like, man, we could have gotten these other great players that would have been helpful. But when I personally review the draft, I I really do try to like, did they might make the right decision and follow the right process at that time? Um, and so while maybe you can point to things that Will McDonald was correct, I think the idea of being like, we could have taken a receiver is kind of just like, well, we thought that we were going to kind of be over saturated at the receiver yep. position a little bit. Lazard was there. Miko was there. Cobb was there and Rogers is there. And Rogers is going to make, like I said, everybody on this offense better. If whenever he comes, yep. whether it's the end of the season or next year, like Lazard will look better. You know, if Miko was here, he would have looked better. Like, yeah, he is going to look better with him at quarterback. And again, like, you know, and I've, I've defended Zach Wilson a lot the past couple episodes, but it's like things would look better for everyone on the team. If the quarterback play was better you know and that's just like and we you even mentioned like his good games were 200 yards passing 210 yards passing you know it's kind of like no one is going to produce now did alan lazard have the worst game ever last week (laughs) yes essentially had a huge factor in us losing yes that's why we're here talking about it um do i yeah right yeah Mm -hmm. so that's where i stand on all that yeah yeah i i'm not so much to say that this was an abomination of a pick i just And I understand the philosophy for it because Robert Sala wants to go 10 deep. The thing is, is like they're already pretty deep there and they've done a great job at developing later round guys. So I would almost want to do a better job of like, okay, who can we find in the the third day that we can make another Bryce Huff for us? And these guys don't grow off trees, but if you trust your development and your strengths, maybe you want to prioritize bringing in positions that maybe you you maybe aren't going to develop all that well. Maybe you don't, maybe you know that Nathaniel Hackett isn't the best offensive coordinator in the world, but he's, he's Rogers guy. So maybe you just go, we just need to get guys on offense that are going to be able to do a great job because we've struggled to develop guys outside of like a Garrett Wilson. Um, so I, I guess if anything, that's where I would have gone, but I still agree. The plan all, all along was Broderick Jones and they went with their backup plan and look edge players, they make a huge difference on the game. Um, and we have a ton of great ones already with this team. And Will has shown in flashes that he's good. It's, you know, we just picked on PFF. He's grading out well there uh, in all three areas. It's, you know, not playing a ton, but when he's out there, he is having some sort of impact. It's just not showing up in the stats. Yeah, and and the last thing I want to say about this is, like, when things go awry, we're all looking for, 
what's the reason, you know, like, and, yeah. and that's why, like, after our four wins, it's been like, wow, Robert Sala is such an amazing coach. And after our four losses, it's like, do we need to start being skeptical of Robert Sala? It's like you, this same argument was made against Jermaine Johnson last year. And now mm-hmm. Jermaine Johnson being awesome is a reason we're saying, Will McDonald's a bad pick. It's like, Will McDonald, I'm sure will be just fine in yes. the coming years. Um, as a team who wanted to compete this year, it's a fair criticism to say, Hey, you could have used that on maybe a more immediate player. But again, so many things have happened since then that were just unexpected. So this brings me, this is a perfect transition to bring me to my big brain point. Um, everything that we've just talked about, Zach Wilson struggles, the decision to not go out there and trade for a veteran quarterback, Aaron Rodgers still potentially being upwards of six plus weeks away from returning on our third string offensive line, you know, not having the receiver help out there at this point that even you would say that you would want for a good quarterback. Um, the Jets are four and four. Is it worth it? Is it worth pushing for the playoffs? Is it fine keeping the status quo and just doing the same thing we did last year? Should we look at this and just say, we got dealt really shitty luck this year. Let's reload. Let's keep Aaron Rodgers off for the rest of the season. And let's come back and try this thing again in 2024, where maybe in the offseason we can nail this trade for Mike Evans or Devontae Adams. Or maybe in the draft we can get a tackle in the first round. I know it's early on and they're still in the thick of things, but this AFC is fucking insane. And I'm just sitting here. My big brain is like, maybe they just understand that they got fucked like 10 different times already this year. Yeah. I mean, they definitely did get fucked. Are you saying like they should just mail it in? Like not mail it in, but not like, is your point? Like, this is why we're rolling with Zach. Like, this is why all these things are happening. The fan base. This is why, this is why we're we're rolling with Zach Wilson. Yeah. I don't really agree. Um, Because like, like, again, like the back and forth of what we felt about this team, like going into this Chargers game, the whole fan base is like, let's go win this game and let's compete for the AFC East championship. Like that is what was on, was on people's mind. And you can say like, well, we don't have the talent. We like things have happened, whatever. It's obviously a lot easier to say after we just put up a six points. Um, But like, like they're not going to over make moves for a year where like we've talked about like yes it would be awesome to make the playoffs this year i want to make the playoffs this year are we probably going to win a super bowl if we do squeak into the playoffs with zach wilson probably not so it's like i think that's where you point to like why didn't we just trade a pick for one of these veteran guys like what i think they're looking like hey at the end of the year we're trying to do our best with this year but we're not going to be expending future capital for things even if it is just a seventh round pick you can have your take on whether that's the correct thing to do or not but like i i don't think we're tanking by any means but i think it's a very fair point that the jets staff and coaching staff is all aware of like hey this is not the year that we thought it was going to be we're not going to make all these crazy moves but again like right they were trying to trade for Devontae adams they were trying to trade for mike williams so like those things like to me i think this coaching staff, this team, like they want to make the playoffs so, so, so bad. They want yeah. to end the drought. Like they want to do that. And so to me, like I in no way think they're just saying like, like let's mail it in. I right. do think it 
presents some of the lack of like, let's be reactionary and make moves now to help us in the next couple of weeks. Exactly. And that's where I think where you look at the fact that they did a pursue Adams and Evans, those guys are on multi-year deals. They would be around right. they would be regardless next, next season. Yeah. Whereas if you're trading for Josh Dobbs, you're putting a bandaid on for the next month and a half to two months to hopefully get in the playoffs. So that's where I think in the, their mindset, like, yes, they want to make the playoffs. I'm not saying they're gonna mail it in. If things go right, they win in Vegas. They get one of these wins against the bills and the dolphins. Like, they're they're on a track here where it can still be very possible, but with every single week we get another significant injury. Um, you know, we didn't even really spend too much time talking about Al Woods last week against the Giants. You know, losing him for the season, like Big we are bummer. continuing to lose guy after guy after guy, and you're just sitting here, and it's like, I don't think they're in intentionally trying to mail it in, but I think they're very deliberate in. If they were going to make moves, it's moves that will be nice for this year but also be around and be very significant parts for 2024 and beyond as well, too. So I think that is where the Jets have kind of maintained their patience and not getting too desperate because they understand while we are really fucked right now, there is still a chance that in 2024, this thing can actually hit in the way we wanted it to. Yeah, 100%. And I, and I think that's kind of the like these past two weeks have been really bad, right? And if there's a world where we do this every game for the next, you know, nine games and we can't score over 10 points and like all that thing, it's like, yeah, sure. Then we can start maybe like getting a little in the weeds of like, okay, like, do we need to really shake things up? But largely this has been a team that like, again, we were sitting there at, at four and three at three and three, um, going into the bye week like and everyone's like how are we three and three with zach wilson if you told me you know after that rogers injury that we're three and three after these first three weeks with a win over the bills and the eagles like every jets fan is signing up for that i think this year is going to be an up and down tumultuous year i think we're going to continue to have you know a subpar offense i think we're going to continue to Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That whole thing, you heard me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to continue to, um, you know, win some ugly games. And I think that, like, we're just going to kind of have to deal with, like, hey, the offense isn't what we want it to be right now, you know, because we weren't expecting to have this quarterback. Um, again, all of the anger about Zach Wilson is fair, but it's like, I just don't think it is yet time to be like, wow, we really, really, really are blowing it. You know, like, I think it's two bad weeks in a row. I think we'll probably continue to not, you know, score 30 a game, but I think we're going to end up, you know, just having this up and down year where, Hey, maybe we go out and beat the Raiders ugly. And then we're at five and four and we're all a little bit more bought in again. And you know, this roller coaster continues. Yeah. Speaking of which Sunday night, could very much change the tone. Right? Like if we get if we get out of Sunday night and it's a loss to the Raiders and the offense doesn't do anything, 
we're going to be sitting here saying, okay, well, what's the next move to make? So Sunday night, very important game, as is every week for a team that's trying to push for a, a playoff spot in a very competitive AFC. There's a lot of great teams. It almost might be easier for the Jets to win the division this year than it is to get a wild card spot just because of how crazy the rest of the conference is at this time. I know, right? <laughs> it's insane, especially, yeah, last week with with Miami and Buffalo losing, New England still looks like a shell of themselves. Like there, there might be an easier path to just win the AFC it. East if you can get these wins. If we had been able to win this goddamn Chargers game, you know, like we would be feeling some type of way. So, yeah, let's let's talk about this game then. Uh, Jets four and four at the Raiders four and five Raiders obviously make the big switch about a week from around the time that we're recording this now. So a little bit of a week to move on to Antonio Pierce, former player for the New York Giants. Um, comes out immediately, everybody. I mean, we knew that Josh McDaniels kind of was ha- had a reputation about being the best coach in the world. They gave it another run. They paid him big money to go to Vegas. Um, and and the frustrations that went through the organization up to this point of them firing w- was there was a lot of relief when he was let go. I yeah. guess is what I'm yeah. trying to say. They come out, they really pour it on the Giants, who the Giants are a dead football organization right now. If we we're complaining over here about the Jets being four and four, imagine going from a playoff team last year, coach of the year, and now you look like one of the worst setup teams in the organization right now. It's it's pretty bad over there uh, on the other side of things in New York. But taking a look at this game, you've got your new coach, you've got skilled playmakers. My uh, my my hot tip. Because everybody gets super excited when there's a new coaching change. They come out there for the first time and there's like this new coach shine and the coach comes out there. They get their first win. It's a huge moral victory. Everybody's happy that the old regime is gone. It's a great new day. And then it falls immediately back on their face next week. Um, You know, the the most recent uh, things I lived through with the, the Jeff Saturday era with the Colts where Jeff Saturday comes in. They beat the Raiders on a Sunday, and then the following week they lose to the Eagles. Uh, Mike McCarthy back in the day when he was fired from the Packers, um, the they went on. I forget who the interim was at the time. It might have been – I don't remember who the interim was, but the Packers let go of McCarthy. They win their first game with the new regime, and then they lose to the Bears the following weeks. I think it also happened – I forgot to jot it down who it was. I believe it was Gary Kubiak back in 2013 uh, that had the same thing unfold where – you, you fire your head coach when things get ugly, you win the following week, and then you put up a stinker the next. So while I think everybody is excited about the Raiders with Antonio Pierce, there is a little thing where it's like, that was kind of a very emotional game, and now things might set back to being the normal Raiders over the last, you know, season or so. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on the coach thing we have seen so many times that that's what happens where these teams just like dominate once they have their interim head coach, you know? And it's like, like to me, I think we both took the Raiders over the giants last week. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was the easiest bet known to man because you knew the giants were in a world of hurt with everything going on with them. And you knew the Raiders were going to have some juice. Um, This still isn't a team that scares me. I will say like, I didn't really realize that they had four wins. I probably thought it was worse than that. Yeah. So it's like, it's, I don't want to say this because I want to be more <laughs> confident about the Jets, but it kind of reminds me of the Jets where it's like things have seen really bad, but also like they've kind of managed to get their wins in places. Right. Uh, you can still hear me with my, yep, with my I internet gotcha. issues, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I 
at the end of the day, I don't think the Raiders are a very good team. I think especially with a backup quarterback, they're not going to be able to do much against our defense, like I say, every week. And so, you know, hopefully our offense is able to take a step forward and and improve. I'm going to predict, say, that this is probably going to look like what a lot of our games have looked like. <laughs> i thinking with Hot a win, team. but, you know, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a – you know, 20 to 13, 20 to 10, 17 to 10, like, you know, a low scoring game. I think like you said uh, the other day, it's the lowest under over under on the slate this week, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, we know these jets unders, they love to hit. I, uh, you know, I still think the jets can certainly win this game. And again, like things have looked really bad the past two weeks. They were slightly better before that. So I think we can at least get back to that, especially against a bad opponent in the Raiders. Um, So I'm thinking, predicting, hoping, whatever you want to say that we're going to be able to win this game. Um, I'll just go ahead and give my prediction. I'm going to settle in. It, it feels hard to predict the Jets to score any points at the moment. That's yeah. why I would, that this was, so the I'm just going to like settle moment. in at like, this is, I was so looking forward to you just being like, the Jets get over 17. Uh, they do yeah, it. They get it right. done. Zach Wilson, two touchdowns. Like, I, I just, think it's, but you can't yeah, think no. that way. It's, it's just, no, it doesn't so exist hard. in 2023. The Chargers game was that opportunity to show me something they didn't, you yeah. know. So I'll, I'm going to go with, with a 17 to nine win. Raiders don't score a touchdown. Um, and, you know, the Jets sneak a, sneak a gross one out like we've done, you know, four times this year. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, is when you take a look at the Raiders four wins, they put up 17 points against the Packers, 21 against the Patriots. They beat the Broncos by one in week one. And then they, you know, the onslaught against the Giants and, and uh, Tommy DeVito this past week. So it's not like any of those wins to me are impressive. They're really bad teams. Now, I will say they have beaten teams that have decent defenses and struggling offenses, which is kind of where the jets are, but the jets are on a different Hmm. tier in terms of defense. So I I think that the jets get this done as well too. I'm nervous. I'm nervous saying that, but I think if I've learned anything over the last year and a half, when I start feeling a certain way about the jets, they kind of tip back into the other direction and they're just on this crazy roller coaster. So I am feeling down about things, but I do believe that this will be a jets victory in vegas on sunday night setting up for a really few pivotal weeks coming up against the uh, bills and dolphins i'm gonna go 13 to 10 so gross so gross. sunday night we all have to watch this we all I have to. i hate the, the, that the standalone games this week are absolutely abysmal <laughs> starting tonight when you're hearing this we've got panthers bears colts patriots in germany those poor germans um Sometimes got- the the really ugly teams are the ones that give you the good game, though. Like, what was the sure. last week was Titan Steelers? Like that, I feel like that was like the best game we've seen on Thursday night in like weeks. You Might know? have been, but like, it was also like, like what? Game. It was like seventeen to thirteen was the final score. Like it wasn't anything crazy awesome. Either way, I'm gonna wrap things up here. I think Teddy dipped out on the end. Oh, up! Oh, I got him back. I'm here. I was, I was just gonna we gotta do a get out of here on. though. <laughs> Teddy and I, Teddy and I are just are. We've done a great job editing it all out, but we've dealt with internet stuff like five or six times this pod. So we gave our predictions. The Jets are going to win Sunday Night Football. Pulled a five and four 
inching closer with two great games in the division. Make sure uh, to follow us on all our socials at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Teddy is at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Spring Blake with four A's in there. We love you. We appreciate you. And we'll hopefully talk to you Sunday or Monday after a Jets victory. And uh, we'll keep moving on in this push for the AFC playoffs. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.